From the Amazon to the Himalayas, God is accomplishing his mission. Welcome to Amazon to the Himalayas podcast. Stories and conversations with the global church and for the global church about the mission of God in the world. And now here is your host, Paul Aiken. Welcome to Amazon to the Himalayas podcast. I'm your host, Paul Aiken. And in this episode, we're going to be having a conversation with Ken Mbugwa from Kenya. Ken serves as the senior pastor at Emmanuel Baptist Church in Nairobi. Ken serves also as a council member for the Gospel Coalition Africa, and he's the managing director of Ecclesia Africa, which promotes biblical resources for building healthy churches across Africa. Ken is married to his wife, Arlet, and I'm so excited for you to hear from Ken today. Ken, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me on it. All right, maybe let's just start with you telling us briefly about you and your family. Yeah, so as you've heard, my name is Ken. I'm married to one Arlette uh, Mbugwa. She's ethnically from Cape Verde, born in Senegal, grew up in Providence, Rhode Island, and now lives in Kenya, which means she's basically a global citizen. And we have two little kids, Eden, age four, and Zion, age one and a half right now. So that's my crew. Ken, one of the things that I'm always interested in is hearing how people came to faith in Jesus Christ. Mm. So can you share with us your salvation testimony? Yeah, so grew up going to church, a Presbyterian church. I trust they preached the gospel, but I clearly did not have ears to hear. When we were, when I was age 14, we moved out of that area of town and moved to the suburbs of Nairobi. My dad, who would never go to church, ended up pointing me to a church across the road because my mom would take us to a church that was a bit farther away from from our house. And my dad was like, hey, you know, God is in every church. Just go to the church across the street. And so my mom at that time was going to a church that was kind of soft prosperity gospel, mildly charismatic. And the church that just so happened to be across the street from where I was living was a independent fundamental Baptist church. And that just was just fine for me because they had a youth program. It was an hour long. It was a short distance away from home and I didn't care about church much. So I could go and get my church deed done, and I was good. So I started attending there. They preached the gospel many, many times. I, I became Christianized there uh, without getting converted. I learned the lingo. I learned the gospel. Um, the Romans Road would be emphasized and drilled into us in our youth programs quite often. I call it a very anti-Catholic presentation of the gospel, no mention of repentance. Once saved, forever saved, a little bit decisionistic. But even though I was deceived, I was a Christian for a long time because I thought a mental assimilation of those truths was sufficient. The Lord allowed me at the end of my high school years to see that my life clearly did not manifest any fruit of conversion. And um, as the Lord walked in me, the fact that I had not repented of my sins, I did have a relationship with the Father. I trusted the same gospel that had been preached in that church, Faith Baptist Church in Ongata Rongai and put all my faith in Christ, trusting that my hypocrisy, my wickedness, my self-righteousness, uh, my rebellion against my parents' wickedness that was so evident in school, that all of it could be covered by the blood of Jesus. And I put my faith in that work he did for me on the cross in his death, burial, and resurrection. And um, radical transformation came from, from that day that the Lord walked those truths into, into my heart. So that's how I became a Christian. 
Praise the Lord. And now you serve as a pastor. So tell us a little bit about your church, Emmanuel Baptist, and how you became the pastor uh, there at that church. Yeah, so Emmanuel Baptist Church was planted in 2002. February is when they constituted of that year by two missionary missionary pastors, one Joel Weaver, who's a veteran missionary in Kenya. His dad was a missionary here as well. I think they came in in the 50s. They came in from the New York Harbor by ship um, to Kenya. So Joel Weaver was raised here. And Steve Hayfler, um, who's now pastoring a church in Colorado, Highlands Baptist Church. So they planted this church. Uh, veteran missionary Steve Hayfler was the was a new, um, new kid on the block. They started it in a community called Lavington, where both of them had a burden to reach businessmen. They felt like there was a, a class of Nairobi that didn't have a lot of focus as far as church planting a middle-class or middle-upper-class kind of community in Nairobi. So three years later, the Lord led Steve Hayfler to Zambia, where he became the vice president of Central Africa Baptist um, University now with, with Phil Hunt and Joel Weaver took up the, the work. I came in in 2010, so that's about 11 years ago now, and I served alongside Joel Weaver in different capacities, started serving as a youth pastor, then assistant pastor. But then in 2015, Joel Weaver stepped down, and the church called me to serve as the lead pastor. So I've been doing that work here for, for the last five years. It's a diverse church. It's a young church. Um, the population in Kenya is 80% under the age of 35. And that demographic is very evident in our congregation. Uh, very many young couples, very many little kids. We have very few people over the age of 45, um, even though we do have some. It's a tight-knit little community, membership of over 400 now, um, even though we still need to clean up uh, quite a few names from that membership list. Yeah, we're excited about the work that the Lord is doing amongst us. That's encouraging. You know, one of the things I mentioned in the introduction is that you also serve as the director of Ecclesia Africa. So tell us mm -hmm. a little bit about that. What is Ecclesia Africa? So Ecclesia Africa is a ministry that's trying to bridge a gap between the African church and theological resources. So where as a local church, we see the primary way in which we as a congregation will engage in, in the mission as church planting. And so we are, we are seeking to do that as the Lord enables us to. We also see the need to do church strengthening. So we look at the book of Acts to see churches being planted, but then we also see Paul kind of going back to those same churches that were planted to, um, to invest in them, whether it's by writing letters, by sending Timothy or Titus or, or any other brothers that there seems to be an interest from Paul to see the work that was established continue to remain grounded and, and growing. And, and so when we look at Africa, we see what people refer to as an explosion of Christianity. There's, there's many churches in many places on the continent, especially sub-Saharan Africa. But we view those churches in many cases as needing a lot of strengthening. So the single role that Ecclesia Africa is trying to play is is the use of theological resources to bring about the strengthening of, of those churches. We look at the Reformation, we see the way in which the Lord chose to use the Gutenberg Press um, to allow God's truth to spread far and wide. And those truths were used by God to bring about convictions that led to transformation, reformation in the lives and communities of believers across Europe. And we are praying for the same thing. We are praying that the Lord would allow the his word to, to run 
fund wide on the continent and to bring about a reformation that can only be brought about by by the spirit using his word to bring about convictions and we pray that the result of that would be churches would be not merely healthy but really to the praise of his glory functioning as they ought to, to spread the gospel proclaim the gospel and um, protect the gospel display the gospel and that all of this would really be to the to the joy of the nations and the glory of God in His Church on the continent of Africa. Uh, praise the Lord! That sounds like a, a like a great ministry, a great resource. And the next question is kind of a could be kind of a sensitive question because we know, looking yeah. back at history, there have been some some positive things and some negative things that have come yeah. from from the West. So yeah. I, I'm just curious, from your perspective, you know, you've been now serving in ministry at this particular church for almost a decade, been serving as as senior pastor, lead pastor now for five years. In what ways can the church in the West, so North America, Europe, how can they help serve the church in Africa? Yeah, so first of all, I, I think we can be thankful for the many decades of of faithful ministry that has come from the West to Africa. And in many cases, I think we can almost be too hard on the West in certain circles about the work that has gone on on the continent. But I rejoice that I became a Christian through the ministry of Timothy Joyner, pastor of that independent fundamental Baptist church across the road from where we were staying. So just rejoicing in the in the ministry of those who have already gone, gone ahead of us. If we're looking forward and asking ways in which we can, the West can serve the, um, the church in Africa, I'd say one would be to appreciate what the Lord has already done on the continent of Africa and thinking of ways of re- repositioning themselves or, or rethinking what partnership looks like for how the task will get finished on the continent of Africa. In many cases, I still feel, generally speaking, as though there's still maybe too much thinking, strategizing that happens across the ocean, independent from Africans and where in many cases missions is going on on the ground, Africans are being invited to play a lesser role than I'd love to see in the future. So I would, I would invite Western partners to, to not only see partnership opportunities as finding Africans who can be conduits to accomplish a vision and a strategy that was hatched in the West, but rather to almost start off with a question as opposed to starting off with an idea. And the question being, how can we get behind what you as African churches are doing? So the question you're asking is the question that I pray churches and Western ministries would ask with with sincerity and not start off with solutions for the African continent, but but start off with questions about the ways in which we can we can partner. And that question is going to be answered differently by different Africans, different churches, and different ministries. The answer that I'm giving is very um, custom made for us right here in Nairobi. And, and, and what I say is, if we are still getting missionaries coming in from the West to urban centers, especially places that have been reached like, like Nairobi, I still think the, the areas that we need a lot of help are in theological education. So where where missionaries are coming into a setting like ours, I really encourage those missionaries to come in thoroughly equipped academically because that's where we would still see a lot of need for for partnership with you know missionaries boots on the ground in cities like 
Lake Nairobi to help train up pastors to become servant leaders for the next couple of, of generations. Uh, beyond that, I would pray that we would also find ways of helping resources that are trapped in the West to be strategically distributed in Africa. I feel like there's, there's a need for us to think a little bit more broadly. There's a friend of mine who talks about gospel infrastructure. So things like publishing on the continent are still dead. Most sound theological resources are trapped in the West and are oftentimes shipped in or flown in. And that's simply not a mechanism that can actually be able to work long term. We are starving the church by continuing with that kind of mentality. We need to get behind efforts on the ground in Africa um, to establish African publishing entities that will allow the, um, the gospel to go forth. And, and lastly, I would say pray. One of the biggest dangers of a continent or a country that has as many resources as America does is to be more impressed with what you can do through the green buck than what you can do on your knees. And I am very familiar with that temptation myself, being a brother in Nairobi who has relationships with churches and, and ministries in poorer parts of the country or even the continent, and how easy it is for me to think first and foremost how we can help by sending some, some resources or some finances. And the Lord is rebuking me and teaching me I need to be quicker to trust that God is able to work apart from me. And one of the best and most important things that I can do to partner together with God with what he's doing around the world is to pray. And that seems to be what Jesus taught us. He, he seemed to have especially exhorted us to pray that the Lord of the harvest would raise up harvesters because the laborers, because the harvest is white and to, and to harvest. So I would exhort the church to, to pray more or even to pray fast before we think of, of ways in which you can serve. And then lastly, I would say that there's still work to be done amongst the unreached. We might speak about Africa and think about it in different ways and we think about some parts of, of Asia, but there are over a thousand unreached people groups on the continent still, which means uh, whereas we are really desiring to see the African church finish the task, the reality is whether it's an African or an American, it will require people to go outside of their own cultures into those places to complete this task. So I would urge the Western church to primarily turn its missionary efforts towards the unreached people groups on the continent. That's really helpful. I appreciate just the the candid way that, that you laid that out and, and shared uh, that perspective. I think there's a lot of wisdom there that we need to hear, and, and I appreciate the way you approached it. I want to kind of flip the question around the other way. I know you're familiar with the church in the West to some degree as well. So to ask the question the other way, in your opinion, what are some things that the church in the West can learn from the church in Africa? So yesterday I was in Kibera. Paul, you'd know Kibera because you, you lived in Baghdad, not too far away from Kibera when you were in Nairobi. And I met up with uh, one Bishop Mulay and he told me of pastor's training efforts that he has been doing in Kibera for the last 19 years. And the brother has been, has been teaching guys biblical theology, systematic theology, expository preaching. I mean, you just kind of go down the list and he's been faithfully training pastors 
in, in one of the largest slums, not just in the country, but in the continent, and in many ways unknown to us. And as I came back home, I was super encouraged because we are passionate about all those things. We are passionate about training pastors. We are, we are passionate about seeing pulpits reformed by God's truth. And here's a guy who's been doing it for 19 years in a super hard place without any of our involvement, right? And so the lesson for me, I think, would be the lesson that I think would be also very useful for, for the West, where I think to see how God is no respecter of persons. God can do his work apart from us. The most important thing in, in churches growing health is not our money, is not even our strategies, right? Those things might be used of God, but they are by no means the most important thing. Um, God's spirit is at work through his word to raise up a people for himself and to, to build up the church. So I would say less confidence in resources, less confidence in strategies, more resting in what God is able to do apart from us, apart from us. And I think that's the little lesson that I, I saw yesterday by just looking and seeing, man, we're Ecclesia Africa, we are, we are stores full, filled with resources, we are offering scholarships to, to pastors, and I walk into this place, and guess what? For the last 19 years, God clearly didn't need us in this place, and he didn't need um, all of our strategic efforts to, <laughs> to see pastors trained. So, so it's not so much can stop doing Ecclesia Africa, can stop trying to give um, scholarships, but can just don't be too impressed with what you are doing. Be far more impressed with what God is doing clearly apart from all of the resources that you are trying to bring to bear to the problem of unhealthy churches on the continent. So for a church, again, that is, is so endowed with the, the gifts of this world, I think you can look at Africa from the West and, and just see how God is doing something there without the things that we might sometimes think are absolutely essential and important. So we just need to grow in our confidence in God's ability to work with meager resources to produce a good work. That's really helpful. I love hearing stories like you just shared about heroes of the faith that are in many ways anonymous. Nobody knows about them, but they yeah. just day after day, week after week, year after year, they just plug away and they're faithful to the ministry. So that's really encouraging to hear. I want to kind of scan out a little bit and think about the continent as a whole. Uh, I think you're, you're, you're fairly aware of some of the things that are happening across the continent of Africa. So as you think about the state of the church across the continent, what encourages you? So I am most encouraged by, by seeing what appears to be a broad return to the truth. I, the story I just shared with you about a Bishop Moulet, I could share the stories of you know, kids in universities inviting us to, to speak on topics like the authority of Scripture, the sufficiency of Scripture, and we ask them where they heard about those terms or who taught them. Things that are detached from us, things we, we can't trace and say, we did this, you know, that ministry accomplished this. I'm most encouraged by seeing this broad, widespread evidence of the Spirit doing his work to raise up faithful 
men and women on the continent to create a hunger in the hearts of people for the truth. Again, not so much through one incredible ministry, but what seems to be a genuine, broad movement of God on the continent to to allow us to take some hope that a continent that has been known for a church that many will describe as a mile wide and an inch deep is the same continent where we are seeing in that church voices rising that are voices of truth. And I think if you look at, for example, the TGC Africa website, I, you just love the, the breadth of, of different people who will write on it and think, all these are different African voices. God has far more than 7,000 prophets who have not bent the knee. Truth is not the preserve of a small little group, not even a, a small theological tribe, right, where we would call ourselves the Reformed crew or the, or the Nine Marks crew. Like God's working well beyond those boundaries, as much as we would love folk in, in those tribes. The Lord is at work here to purify his church, to reform his church, to raise up faithful shepherds. I just heard of a brother who landed in, in Malawi to plant a Presbyterian church sent by Kevin DeYoung's church. That just fills my heart with joy. There you go, in Malawi, a, a faithful pulpit proclaiming God's word. We're having a meeting tonight, actually, at 8 p.m. with a brother in, in Rwanda, in Kigali, um, has no formal connections with Ecclesia Africa or Emmanuel Baptist Church, but is one of the continent's best expository uh, preachers. And so there's evidence, especially amongst young people of God, just raising up um, faithful voices, trusted voices, that gives me hope that the landscape in the future will look quite different than it does now in the church. And I pray that down the line, nobody will be describing the church in Africa as an inch deep, but rather that we'd be speaking about the church in Africa as a place where the rest of the world can be able to feed from the content coming up from um, from the church in Africa. That's helpful. I want to ask the flip side of the question. As you think about the state of the church across the continent, what concerns you? Yeah, so where, what I've just described are, are the stars in the sky. What concerns me is the darkness behind those stars, right? So that whereas there's voices that are rising, I think the general broad description of the church in Africa is still that the church is weak. And I have so many African friends who will really push back on that statement because there's a, there's a Pan-Africanism that's spreading across the continent, uh, a pride in, in us being Africans. And I think that, that statement can sound rather embarrassing, like, wait, you're not putting out our dirty laundry out there. But the thing is, the church is going to be judged by one thing, and that's God. And, and God's word is the judge of, of what the church is. It's not so much the church in Africa needs to look like the church in the West, but the church in Africa, we desire it to look more like the church in, in the Bible. And that means that there'll be there's, there's areas where we still need to grow. The, the pulpit needs to get reformed in many places. We're still preaching a, a false gospel. In places where we're not preaching the prosperity gospel, the, the pulpit is devoid of Jesus. Politics is such a big part of what is being taught in the pulpit. Moralism. Uh, many churches that are big, the denominational churches that are represented in, in the West, the, the large historical ones, will get distracted with building projects, power struggles. So the landscape still is screaming a need for us to continue to pray and push 
for a revival and a reformation across this continent. So we are encouraged by the, by the stars that seem to be increasing in the black night, but it's definitely not dawn yet. The sun hasn't risen on, on the church in Africa, and that's what we, uh, we are longing for. So, yep. That's helpful. I'd love for you to fill in the blank to this next question from your own perspective, your own experience and opinion. The biggest challenge in global missions today is blank. Is we are caught up in our religious idols. So I need to fill in, I need to explain that further. I feel like there's a type of ministry that we can engage in that is still about us, that still has us at the center. I can be passionate about church planting in Nairobi in a way that still allows me to kind of share in some of that glory. I can be passionate about um, seeing pastors trained even across the continent, but I can still do that work, a holy and good work, in a way that still has too much about me. It's not as an expression of worship. We can be right in the middle of what we are calling ministry. And that type of approach to ministry will keep us from finishing the task because the only way we will be willing to go to the unreached and unengaged is if we are willing to fade and we are willing to die to self. And it's so easy to engage in ministry whilst buying down to religious idols that do not ask me to die to self. Instead, I can actually be getting puffed up about self. I can actually be rejoicing in the growth of my name and the and the spread of my reputation. And I think that that approach to ministry brings about division, wrangles, short-sightedness, and it will also limit us with the scope of the work that is remaining because I will I will desire to stay and work and invest only in places that allow for there to be a, some praise returning to me, some sense of receiving the affirmation, the claps of, of the rest of the world who will clearly see me and, and be impressed with the ministry that we are doing. That approach to ministry will keep the unreached unreached and the unengaged unengaged. And until we bring back God to the center and we once again say all things are from him, through him, and back again to him. And because of being compelled by what our Savior has done for us on the cross, we genuinely lay our lives as living sacrifices on the altar and say whatever he so pleases to do, let it be done for the praise of of his name. We will not complete the task. We will not be willing to fade into, into obscurity, which is the only way this task is going to be finished. So I think we are caught up with with religious idols that show in the way in which we fight in the church. We we poke at each other, we divide the contention. All of those things are saying, even though we have right theology, even though we are doing the right work in quotes, it's not about God. And because it's not about God, we are blind to the needs of those who have not yet heard and places where Christ's name has not yet been preached. Because to go there, it has to be about someone else other than me. I think there's there's so much wisdom and insight in, in what you just shared there, and yeah, I, I join you in hoping and praying that the Lord will will turn our hearts away from ourselves and have us fix our eyes on Him, 
I want to ask a more personal question here. It's a question that I ask everyone that I interview, and here's the question. Can day after day, week after week, and month after month, what keeps you doing what you're doing, and why are you giving your life to this work? Uh, God's been merciful with me, and he continues He continues to be. I, I think the, the greatest hindrance to, to me continuing to plod forward is just discouragement with the slowness of, of the work and the progress. And even just as we were talking before this very call, um, such an awareness of my own frailties, my own shortcomings, and to just be able to trust, to, to know on a daily basis that God is not just merely building his church. God is building up Kenneth Wayne Nambugwa as well. God will not stop until every knee has bowed, until his church has been built, until every single person from every nation, tongue, and tribe whom Christ purchased on the cross um, has come into the fold. And, and you know what? That's also true about Ken. God will not quit what he has started. He will complete. God will hold me fast. And despite the, the slowness of my own growth, I'd want to grow so much faster. I'd want to become a much better pastor. I'd want to become way more faithful in, in preaching and even in living. I'd want to become a far better example of what it looks like to be, to be a Christian. And it's those areas where I'm most likely to be discouraged when I think about, should I get my feet off the bed and get back to, to this work? But to remember my gracious and faithful God who has pursued, um, who is pursuing all whom he purchased to the ends of the world is doing the same thing with me. And his work will be victorious, not only amongst the nations, but also in my rebellious heart. He will rule and reign over it um, one day fully and finally. So that keeps me going. Amen. Last question. What is one thing you want everyone listening to this podcast to know or to do? That our God is most glorious and worthy of praise. Yeah, I think we, should, we can so easily, even when you're talking about missions, be so caught up with what has not yet been done, with what we are not doing, with what we can do. But there's nothing more important than to be captured by a vision of a God who is mighty to save and salvation belongs to him from beginning to the end. And, and he has revealed himself as that God. And my prayer is that we, we see our God as such. He will see this task done because um, he is a God who is mighty to save. Amen. Ken, thank you so much for your time today. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Ken. Please pray for him, for his family, for the ministry of Emmanuel Baptist Church and Ecclesia Africa. To hear more conversations like this, please subscribe to this podcast and be sure to follow us on social media. Thanks again for listening to Amazon to the Himalayas. Thank you for joining us on Amazon to the Himalayas. This podcast is brought to you by the Billy Graham School at Southern Seminary. Please visit our website, www.sbts.edu bgs, where you can subscribe to the show and learn more. Also, if you have found these conversations helpful, please leave us a comment or a review and encourage your friends to subscribe to the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for more. This is Amazon to the Himalayas podcast.